0: From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your snackable daily podcast for your pop culture fix.
1: I'm Laura Brodnick, the entertainment editor at Mamma Mia.
0: And I'm Ki-Reese. I work at Social Squad, Mamma Mia's in-house social media agency. And we just wanted to take a minute to give a big, warm shout out to all of our Malburnian listeners. We're hoping that our show that we're doing each day is bringing you a little bit of salacious pop culture to get you through. And I believe, Laura Brodnick, you have a little gift up your sleeve.
1: Yes, well, let's not get too excited. I just have a lot of amazing new TV show recommendations that have launched this week that I'm going to post in our Spill Facebook group today, so if you're looking for something fun and new to watch to take your mind off lockdown, um, we'll share some suggestions there, and if you just want to talk about some amazing new shows that you're watching to all our Melbourne friends who need a bit of a distraction, come to our Facebook group and we're there for you. I
0: have news. I want more headlines. What you need to know today, the biggest entertainment headlines that are coming through, just as we did that deep dive on Ellen DeGeneres and the allegedly toxic work culture of The Ellen Show, we came out and said absolutely no celebrities had said anything, and the very next day, the floodgates opened.
1: Yes, so Katy Perry was the first celebrity to break ranks. And once she posted her public support of Ellen, a lot of other celebs followed. So Katy Perry kicked off by saying, I know I can't speak for anyone else's experience besides my own, but I want to acknowledge that I've only ever had positive takeaways from my time with Ellen and on The Ellen Show. I think we have all witnessed the light and continued fight for equality that she has brought to the world through her platform for decades. And she finished off by saying, Sending you love and a hug, my friend Ellen. Ellen.
0: The other interesting one was Kevin Hart, comedian Kevin Hart, just coming out and tweeting that she's always shown love for his family. And I'm kind of like, there wasn't ever really an issue about her not being nice to guests. So although this is very great and we're very glad that they've finally come out and, you know, supporting their friend being Ellen, there's still a lot going on behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly the kind of train of thought that so many people have picked up on looking at all these celebrity statements about Ellen DeGeneres and The Ellen Show coming out is that the question was never, is she a great person? It's the fact that, the staff who work on this show are saying that the overall working environment that they are in is a toxic and unsafe culture. And I think this kind of discrepancy between what's being said was really highlighted in a tweet that Ashton Kutcher sent, where he said, I haven't spoken with the Ellen show and can only speak from my own experience. She and her team have only treated me and my team with kindness and respect. She never pandered to celebrity, which I always saw as refreshingly honest. When things aren't right, she handles it and fixes it, which is a sentiment that Lot of other stars like Jerry O'Connell shared. But again, it's really highlighting that issue that a celebrity on the set is going to have such a different experience to a person working behind the scenes. And so to finish off, I think the one tweet out of all these that we really should be keeping in mind when talking about the investigation that's happening on The Ellen Show is a tweet from the creator and star of Crazy Ex Girlfriend, which is Rachel Bloom, because she tweeted, I just want to say that I have worked behind the scenes of TV shows and have been the celebrity guest on them. And the two experiences are very different. Having a good time being a guest does not necessarily have anything to do with the experiences of the employees. I'm not saying this to put anyone on blast. I just wanted to offer my own personal experience as someone who's had the amazing fortune to experience both worlds. And I think that's kind of what we have to keep in mind as this Ellen DeGeneres show story continues to develop. It's not about how celebrities are treated. It's about the experiences of the people working behind the scenes.
0: Just a heads up as we go into this next news headline, we are discussing issues of suicide. So if that is a bit of a trigger for you, just skip forward to our deep dive. To some sadder news that Daisy Coleman, who was a star of Netflix documentary Audrey
1: and Daisy, has passed away. So Daisy Coleman's mother, Melinda Coleman, announced the news on her Facebook page this week talking about her daughter's legacy and saying that Daisy never recovered from what those boys did to her and talked about her death by suicide. And I think why this has hit so many people so particularly hard is that when that documentary, Audrey and Daisy, was released in 2016, it really told a different side of the story of survivors of rape and sexual assault, of how they were bullied by their classmates, of how their friends turned away from them about how a whole town divided over their allegations of, you know, trying to work out who was telling the truth between the boys and the girls. And I think Audrey and Daisy spoke so bravely in the documentary that it really struck a chord with people. And so I guess I would just say if you haven't watched the documentary, it's there on Netflix and it's a really important and very vital watch.
0: Well, Kate and William, that is the Duchess and Prince that I'm talking about, of course, a bit more royal entertainment for you, just in case you didn't get enough yesterday. They had a visit to a Shire Hall healthcare home in Wales, and this was three months after actually speaking to staff and residents via a video link and calling out the numbers for their weekly bingo session. So on their visit yesterday, they were introduced to a woman named Jo Drew Smith, who's 87, and back in May when they did the virtual phone call and the bingo calling, she was reported to have said that the royal bingo game wasn't as good as it should have been. So when they met yesterday, Prince William and Kate dressed in masks – greeted Joan saying, hello, do you remember we did the bingo with you? You said we weren't very good. And she replied, yes, you did a bloody shitty job. (laughs) So pretty good. And like when you're that age, of course, you're so quick witted because you just don't give any Fs. But they took it like champs. They kind of leant back laughing. But the weirdest thing I really found about this one was that later they were talking to another woman and it was revealed that Kate and Will's Had actually never played bingo before that it was the first time they had played bingo and i'm like i was really baffled by that because i was sure that it's on everyone's summer agenda to go to the rsl and play bingo and get that bloody meat tray or is that just me
1: no it's literally just you who's playing bingo in their spare time that's not a thing most people play the royals spend their whole christmas break just playing like parlor games they play charades they don't play bingo
0: Oh, that's probably why they're all trying to get out of it and bloody spend it exactly. in LA. Exactly.
1: My first thought of this though was like, bingo is a game of chance and not skill, so how could they be bad at it? But you're saying that she was saying they were shit at calling the bingo numbers. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. So they were oh. they were
0: calling the numbers. So which is you can be shit at that. Because yeah, absolutely. Bingo kind of hinges on the dramatics of calling the numbers. You know, we've got number eleven. That's legs eleven. Like, there's all these different okay. ways to call numbers. <laughs> anyway, I'm really she showing Moonlight my limits is a here. bingo
1: caller in her spare time. Listeners.
0: oh honey i do mama mia subscribers you've been asking and we've been listening now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on apple podcasts that includes everything from bonus episodes of your favorite pods to exclusive segments to all of our
1: audio series
0: to link your mama mia subscription to apple podcasts open the mama mia out loud page in your apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. Grey's Anatomy star Ellen Pompeo was a guest on Jamil Hill's podcast this week and in the interview they discussed what it's like playing the iconic character of Meredith Grey for the past 15 years and why she stuck it out for so long and also why she's been so vocal about speaking up for women and people of colour in Hollywood. So they started off talking about this award-winning interview that she did in 2017 with The Hollywood Reporter and in it she was openly discussing her salary, something that really hadn't been done before and talking about how she was the highest paid woman in Hollywood and the types of people that reached out in reaction to this. Here's the audio.
2: Everybody in the industry applauded me. It was only people who, who worked with me in my direct circle thought that it was somehow a diss to them. That article, the intention behind that was It was me against the studio system to tell other actresses that this is how they bamboozle us. You know, and black actresses have a whole different experience, right? I'm talking as a privileged, blonde hair, green eyed, you know, white girl, my experience with the studio and what they said to me and what they what they did to me and how they devalued me in order to, you know, make the best deal possible. and
1: Yeah, the pay discussion on this was so interesting and it's something that I remember reading that Hollywood Reporter article at the time and the magnitude that it had because up until then, women in particular in Hollywood, especially on TV shows like that that were long-running, never discussed their salary. And I also thought it was interesting how the interviewer turned the conversation to Patrick Dempsey because yes. as Ellen talked about both in that interview and she's talked about since, you know, in the Hollywood Reporter Roundtable is the fact that she wanted Patrick Dempsey to go in with her when their contracts were up and to negotiate as a pair and he just didn't want to get involved in her pay dispute and didn't want to help her in that way and she always speaks so highly of him even though there's so many stories of things that he's done behind the scenes the fact that he was written off the show because he was allegedly I should say having affairs with women on set and causing issues um, and that he was being difficult and oh did you not know that (laughs) I did not know about the affairs I thought it was just because he had attitude
0: with Shonda and didn't get along with, obviously, Shonda Rhimes. I'm talking about the creator of Grey's and many other great shows like Scandal, et cetera. I just thought that they didn't like each other. It was a bit toxic between the two. I didn't realise he was getting his willy
1: out. Okay, well, that is this, again, it's industry sources. It was reported in a lot of the different trade publications at the time. But as we know, Shonda Rhimes famously doesn't put up with bad attitudes on her show. You know, she let Isaiah Washington go after he made that gay slur. Um, Catherine Heigl was ousted after she took herself out of the running from the Emmys because she said that she wasn't given the material to work on the show and lots of other different things happening behind the scenes. So Shonda Rhimes said that her policy is no assholes. Even though Ellen Pompeo has said in another interview that the first 10 years of growing and anime were really hard to work on it was a bad environment but it's getting better now and as if it was 10 months anyway we digress so she said Patrick Dempsey didn't want to negotiate with her so she had to do it by herself and the interview at the time likened it to Liam Neeson also giving an interview saying that he didn't think it was his place to help his female co-stars negotiate their pay which I thought was interesting but it's also interesting that Ellen said that when Patrick left that finally that was the last kind of thing they were holding over her as the lead of the show because they'd always used to say to her, Well, if you want to leave, leave because you've got Patrick, even though the show is called Grey's Anatomy and she's very much the center of it. So when he finally left, that was her kind of the push she needed to actually negotiate for the pay that she wanted.
0: Yeah and they famously let him out of his contract a year early which I think is quite telling. Well now you know why. (laughs) Well now I know why that dirty little dog. I thought it was quite a nice moment actually when Jamil said to her that that article empowered her herself. So Jamil's quite an accomplished journalist herself and worked on ESPN for many years and after that article came out she found out that her male colleague who was co-anchoring the show with her was making around $300,000 more than her so that they banded together and they ended up getting a really positive result and Ellen was just like tickled pink with that and I think that's just so good. I think the question that everyone always asks her, because she has been on the show for the whole time and doesn't seem like she wants to leave, and she's always, like, very much saying that it's a great job and she wants to stay. So Jamil asked her about the weight that comes with playing an iconic character and sort of alluded to the fact of being imprisoned by playing Meredith Grey for so long and because the character has just become such an iconic person on our TV screens that perhaps people wouldn't be able to differentiate her should she go on to do something else afterwards. But she had a really good response to this in her decision to kind of staying on Grays and some really interesting comments about acting.
2: You know, for me personally, a healthy home life was, you know, more important than a career. And so I made a decision to make money and not, not chase creative acting roles. I, I don't like chasing anything ever. And acting to me in my experience was a lot of chasing. I think I, I still do it from a place of I'm, I'm never that thirsty because I'm financially set. So I, I just thought it didn't, it didn't make a lot of sense for me to, to sort of, you know, walk away. And I, cause, cause I knew it, it was such a, you know, a, a downloadable show. I, I knew the numbers, the streaming numbers, You know, so it just made sense that I want a piece of this pie too. I'm not just going to have one bite and walk away and let everybody else keep profiting for years.
1: Yeah, I really like how she points out that she calls getting her break late in life at 33, which I think to most people you think 33 is not a late time in your life to hit the apex of your career, but I guess in Hollywood and that industry it is. And the fact that she said, I didn't start having children until 40, and so she didn't want to be out in her 40s pounding the pavement and begging for jobs, which unfortunately is the reality of so many actresses. I like that she didn't really apologize for staying on the show because she said that a lot of a lot of actors and actresses who become really well known for one part and have an iconic role always want to run for it, which we know is such a true thing. I can't tell you the number of interviews that I do with people who are known for a really iconic TV show. And before I do the interview, I get a really stern email from their PR saying, do not ask them about this role, do not ask them about their colleagues, do not ask them about a reunion, they do not want to talk about it. Like I'm asking them about something sort of scandal instead of just asking them about a really important time in their career that people like. So I feel like it's interesting that she's really kind of said that she's never going to turn against this role that has made her famous and made her so much money.
0: Yeah, and that's what I really liked about it too. She saw the streaming numbers that were coming in for Grays and she could see all the people around her getting rich and she was like, well, I want a piece of that pie. Like I want to be set up. And luckily, you know, she has that job security and it affords her to be able to spend time with her children but also be on a on a show that still crushes ratings, you know, week on week. And, and I love it and I know anyone that still watches it really does love it. Something that you and I have really talked about is like how shows are going to bring approach the depiction of COVID. And because it is a medical show, they can't really not talk about it. So she asked a question and I thought her answer was perfect and something I hadn't even really thought about before. You know, I
2: think there's a real opportunity for storytelling. I don't think we have to be in the midst of COVID because again, that's going to present challenges because we can't have many people on set. But like the blessing is we get to wear PPE and we can do our show all covered up which is incredible.
0: I mean, yeah, if they're going to give you the PPE to wear on screen to play the role, it kind of makes it a safe working environment and you're accurately depicting what's going on in real life.
1: Exactly. It makes so much sense. It also makes you think kind of towards the beginning of the pandemic where a lot of the medical shows, I think Gose Anatomy did it too, donated because they have all real medical equipment and there was yes. such a shortage of PPE and masks and they donated it all to first responders and people who are working on the front lines. So, yeah, it really is a case of the real world and our entertainment world really really meshing together in that case. Well, it's
0: a fantastic interview. We'll link it in our show notes. She goes on to say a lot of great things about tackling police brutality and systemic racism as the wife of a black man and raising black kids. So 10 out of 10, listen. We'll link it in our show notes for you.
1: And if you are in the mood for a Grey's Anatomy binge after watching that, you can go and watch most of the seasons on Stan.
0: Well, thank you so much for listening to the show today. We hope you're having a swell week and we only have one more day left until the weekend. So get excited for that. And if you haven't already, why don't you go and tell us what you think of the brand new format of the show? I've seen some of your reviews over there and we thank you so much. So pop on to wherever you listen to your podcast and give us whatever rating you want and whatever lovely or hateful message you want to leave for us. This episode of The Spill was produced by Rach Hart. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye.